John chapter 1 is where we're going to be back in the book of John, the gospel of John on Sunday mornings. And uh, once you find your place, you can stand and we'll get into the reading this morning. Last time we were here, we looked at the first five verses about Jesus Christ, the Word. And that Jesus Christ, what we learned in those first few verses is that Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus Christ is God. And Jesus Christ revealed God to man. That's why it's called the Word Logos, which means it's an expression of a person, God's expression of himself to us, the word, a capital W, is Jesus Christ, the full expression of God. Now, I know we don't see, it's not all of God's glory, and it's not everything that we'll see of God in heaven, but of everything that we could handle, Jesus Christ was a complete and full revelation of God the Father, and I'm thankful for that full expression of God to us and today we're going to begin our reading in verse 6 and it almost seems out of place um, because the first few five verses are talking about Jesus Christ he's the word the light shineth in darkness the darkness comprehended comprehendeth it not and in verse 9 you could skip right to 9 and it says that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh from into the world and it almost really goes you know very smoothly except for these three verses in the middle of what I think, in the middle of a thought flow. And yet we know that the Holy Spirit inspired John the Apostle to write this and, and led him to write it so we don't question that. But it should give us an indication that this is really important. Because in some ways John paused his thought flow to insert three verses about something that mean a lot for you and I. So I want to look, and we'll start reading in verse 6 and go down through verse 18. It says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, just to indicate the difference, this is talking about John the Baptist. Um, the gospel according to John is written by John the Beloved or John the Apostle. And John the Beloved, the Apostle, the gospel writer, never referred to himself by name in the whole book. You ever see John writing about John? He's not like one of those pro athletes that talks in third person. You know, that, like talking about how, yeah, Jason Jett, he just scores touchdowns, you know. No, he's talking about a different John. He's talking about John the Baptist, okay. So John, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man... ...that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He, came not. he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God... ...even to them that believe on his name. Praise the Lord for that. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh... And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth. Came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he 
hath declared him. Boy, there's so much we could, and we, I doubt we'll just be in this text one time. You know, there's just so much to unpack. And, but for today, my title is this. Look at the light. You have to say it with an exclamation point. Look at the light. In other words, this phrase, look at the light, sums up what we're talking about. And it applies to every person on planet Earth. Because we must all look at the light to be saved. But if you are saved, if you are a child of God, then your job is to say, look at the light. It applies to everyone. And this morning, I hope that we all can look at the light. The light is Jesus Christ. And we have a responsibility to look and tell others to look at the light. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. I pray that you'd help me to convey it. pray that you bless the reading of your word. That you'd help us to be free from distractions and focused on this text. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. John the Baptist is one of the most interesting people in all the Bible. We'll, we'll look at him more as we go through the book of John. Just by way of introduction, John the Baptist, is he was the first cousin of Jesus Christ. His mother, Elizabeth, was Mary's sister. So they were first cousins. We don't know how much they knew each other growing up or how much, they, how much time they spent around each other. But we know they, I'm sure, knew of each other as first cousins. Uh, John the Baptist was something of an odd character. He was a man known to dress in camel skin and eat locusts and honey. And if that doesn't sound strange to you, then you probably are one of those odd characters as well. So he was known as the baptizer because God ordained or sent him to baptize people after they would repent of their sin and follow and say, I'm going to follow the Lord. Then John was the one who really initiated that process of baptism. He actually baptized Jesus Christ. Um, John was beheaded by Herod, Herod Antipas at the request of Herod's niece. Um, the, most, though the most significant thing about John the Baptist, of all the things, and we'll look at him more, but of all the things about John the Baptist that stand out, his most important label was this, he was a witness for the Messiah. He was a witness, an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. He was an eyewitness preparing those to hear the message of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does a witness have to do with this? Well, think about it. a witness. A witness is someone who sees something and testifies about it. And many of you have had witnesses. If you've been married, you had witnesses at your, at your wedding ceremony that saw you sign the document. And that's, that's maybe the, what we think of when we think of a witness. I also think of a witness in, in, the, in a courtroom. How many of you have ever been called... To, to summon to do jury duty, okay? Yeah, is, does jury duty ever, ever come at the right time? No, it's always at the wrong time, but if you've ever had to do it, then you know, um, then being on jury duty, it's hard because you have to reach a verdict. You have to come to a point of decision. And all you have to lean on, unless you were there to see it, all you have to lean on in a court case is you have evidence and you have, an, you have eyewitnesses, hopefully. You've got evidence that would, that would point to what happened and point to who might be guilty. And then if you have eyewitnesses, then that's a help because they saw what happened. An eyewitness is necessary if you're going to come to a sound verdict. And that is exactly why this gospel was written. 
so that we will come to a verdict about Jesus Christ. John the Apostle wrote this, he said in John 20, which we looked at the first week in our series. And many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, for, but these are written. Here's why this is written. That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Listen, the purpose of John's gospel is that you might see the evidence and you might believe based on the evidence that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that in believing, you might have eternal life. The goal for John in writing this and the Holy Spirit's help is that you would have eternal life. That is the most important decision that you'll ever make. What you do with the evidence of Jesus Christ in this book determines whether or not you have eternal life. So John presents works that Jesus did. He gives us major works or signs, you might say, or miracles, you might say. But he doesn't just stop at evidence. He doesn't just stop at signs. No, he goes beyond the evidence and he tells us about an eyewitness. And this eyewitness's name is John the Baptist. And as if the evidence wasn't enough, he says there's a credible witness. There's a reputable witness who was sent from God himself. And here's what that witness is saying, okay? So John, uh, if, if, if we were listening to John's witness, here are the truths that John would be saying. The first truth is this. God desires for every person to have eternal life. God desires for every person to have eternal life. Um, it says in verse 7. So, well, verse 6, we'll read that again. There was a man sent from God. By the way, John did not appoint himself to be the witness. God in heaven appointed John to be the witness. God in heaven told John, you will be a witness. Here are the things I want you to witness of. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the life. Read this next phrase out loud with me. Ready? That all men through him might believe. Let's do it again. Verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Read the next phrase. That all men through him might believe. Do you see any room in that verse to let you or I believe that only some people can have eternal life? No. It says that all men through him might believe. Verse 8 says, he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light. Stay, stay reading because I don't want you to miss this one. That was the true light, verse 9, read the next phrase, ready? Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So why did Jesus, why did God send his son as a light? Was God just revealing himself through Jesus uh, to show off? Was he just revealing himself through Jesus to show us how much power he had? To say, look at the works that I can do? Do you think God was just flexing his spiritual muscles in front of us lowly humans by sending Jesus? No, he revealed himself so that every man, every woman, every child who would ever live on planet earth would have the opportunity to have eternal life. Jesus Christ was born as a human baby. 100% man, but 100% God. And John describes Christ in John 1 as the true light. And the idea is that the light of heaven, he was, in, he was existing outside of time and space. 
the light of heaven, Jesus Christ, who has always been in existence. He entered our little circle of time. He's in existence from eternity. And the light of heaven entered our little circle of time. And he came into our darkness. And the light shined for all to see. That every man might believe. Which lighteth every man in the world. Now listen, not every person will end up believing. But that's not because God doesn't want it. No, the light has shined for everyone. The Father sent his Son to point us back to himself. And you say, well, we didn't see Jesus bodily. The light didn't shine for me. But we're still reading about the fact that the light shines. So because, and that's proof that God preserved this truth for us in this book. We don't see Jesus face to face necessarily, but we see him on every page in our Bibles. The light has shined and the truth is still there. Listen, I'm just telling you today, we could stop after this, but there's more to say. But God wants you to have eternal life. So how do we know? He turned on the light. If you've ever been in the dark, you're looking for something, you know how important light is. You couldn't find what you need without light. That's what God did by sending Jesus. He turned on the light so we could see. He turned on the light so you can see. And by the way, you can't read these verses and think God only turned on the light for some people. I was expecting somebody to say amen about that. Do you believe, according to these verses, that God shined light so that everybody could believe? Or just so that some people can believe? No, all, every person. You can't read these verses and have that reformed thought, that Calvinistic thought that says that God only saves some and he chooses others not to be saved. I don't see that in these verses at all. No, let's be careful of assuming things that we've heard through traditional teaching that the Bible never says. He shined a light for all people. If we're all sitting in this room and and the lights are out, but somebody turns on the light. It's not like the light will just shine on a few people. No, the light shines indiscriminately so that all people can believe. God wants you to have eternal life. He wants every person to have eternal life. And he proved it by sending Jesus Christ. And it seems so obvious, and it seems so simple and clear. And you say, well, that's the end of the message. What else do we have to say? Well, no, the evidence says that's true, I know, and it seems so simple. The eyewitness of John confirms it, but there's a problem. Here's the second truth. Yes, God wants every person to be saved, but the second truth is this. Mankind prefers to stay in the dark. Mankind prefers to stay in the dark. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Here's Jesus Christ. Listen, he's the creator of everything. And he walked among them, and they didn't know it. And there's a show on TV that I think is fascinating. It's called Undercover Boss. I've only seen it a couple times. But it's a pretty fascinating show because the, the owner of a company will dress up like a regular employee... And he'll go and he'll start working along the employees for a few days to see, you know, how they work and how they act and how they treat each other. And, man, it's really awkward when they start bashing the leadership. Oh, man, yeah, at that point, yeah, Brother Dale's back there like, mm, you're gone. Yeah, you start talking about the owner. That is the owner and they don't know it. Listen, how much more awkward that the creator of heaven and earth walked among people and they didn't know it was him. 
I mean, he made them. He made the earth. And they saw him. And they didn't believe it. They didn't even know it. In verse 11, he came into his own. His own people, the Jewish people, his own people, they, he came and he gave them signs and he taught them and they still rejected him. Why? Because our default position is darkness. I don't love the dark. I hate the dark. But spiritually speaking, that's where we're most comfortable. See, darkness represents sin. Darkness is our default position. We're born sinners. We have a sin nature from the time we're conceived. And I know you may have a baby and you're thinking, no, they're perfect. No, they're not perfect. They've got a sin nature. And they'll grow up someday in a few years and they'll sin willfully at that point. Nobody has ever gotten to that stage and said, no, I'm never going to sin. No, we all do it. We all make a choice and that is the darkness. And there are plenty of people that would rather live in the darkness. Light reveals who we truly are. And that's not comfortable. It's amazing to me how many that, that people in darkness don't welcome light. But like verse says, the dark in verse 5 said, the darkness comprehendeth it not. And we looked at that word, it, can mean, it means to grasp. And yes, it can mean to understand, but it also means to grasp something to overcome it. And so Jesus Christ, the light, came into the world and they tried to overcome him. And they tried to push him down. They tried to bury him and think that they would, they would forever be rid of Jesus Christ. But the darkness couldn't overcome Jesus Christ. Because after three days he rose from the dead and the light shined again. So the darkness, though, wants to shut out the light. They saw the light and they turned away and it happens all through the gospel of John. Jesus Christ will say something incredible and they'll dispute it. He'll do something incredible and they'll reject it. Uh, he'll do a miracle and they won't understand it. You see, he came turning on the lights that only to have someone keep turning them off. I mean, if you've ever, if you live in the same room as a, maybe you grew up in a room with your sibling. This has happened at our house before where one of them wants to go to sleep and the other's not ready for it. Boy, fireworks. You know, the lights, it's kind of like, you know, one's like, I'm ready to go to bed. So they walk over and they turn the lights off. Okay, that's, that's a little anticlimactic. <laughs> and the other sibling says, I'm not ready to go to bed. And they come and they turn the lights on, okay. The other sibling jumps out of bed. I know it's slow, just bear with me. The other sibling jumps out of bed and says, no, I want the lights off. I'm ready to go to sleep. And the other sibling runs, jumps out of bed, turns them back on. So, I mean, we could do this all day. It would just take way too long. And I was, that looked way different in my head, you know. Oh, man. But that's what G they were doing to Jesus Christ. He comes along and he heals a blind man and the lights come on. And the Pharisees come over and they turn that light off. He feeds 5,000, and people say, can you believe this? And then the very next chapter, the Pharisees are like, turn that light off. He, he comes and he raises a man from the dead, but, or, or he raises a lame man on the Sabbath day. And everyone should be saying, that's amazing, he turns the lights on. And here come the religious leaders, turn that light off. Because just like siblings in a bedroom... They're trying to keep the light off and they don't want the light to shine because light makes them uncomfortable. 
Light reveals who we are. Light tells us what, what we truly are. You can't hide in the light. And so he would come trying to turn on the light and they would turn it off because they want to stay in the dark. But listen, I'm telling you today, the end of darkness is death. The end of darkness is hell. And the end of light is eternal life with Jesus Christ forever in heaven. Listen, don't turn off the light if it's shining in your heart right now. Don't reject it. Don't ignore it. That prompting in your spirit is not a lie. It is the Holy Spirit telling you that the light is better than darkness. And some of you are in spiritual darkness. You've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never welcomed the light that comes through Jesus Christ into your life. I'm just telling you today, when you're in spiritual darkness, you think it's okay. You think you'll be fine. You think it's better that you're doing well. But that's like driving down the road on one of these dark country, uh, South Dakota country roads at night. And the moon is hidden behind clouds. And you turn off your headlights. And you think you're going to be just fine until that curve comes. And you don't even know that you're headed for the ditch. You don't even know that you're headed for that telephone pole. You're better off. Listen, you're better off in the light. Sin causes us to love darkness over light. We like darkness because it hides who we are. When someone turns on the light, we say, turn it off. We scurry into the corner. We refuse to see ourselves. And listen, that's why so many people hate preaching. Because God's word is it's light. And it reveals who we are. And right now... God's word is revealing something to you about who you are and the sin in your life and the wickedness of your lifestyle and the wickedness of your thoughts and, the, and how bad that relationship is and how wrong you are about something. The light is revealing it. But right now, many of you are turning off that light. That's why so many people don't read their Bibles because it convicts them of their sin. That's why people reject the light of the gospel because sin is their comfort zone and they don't want to change. They don't want to change their lifestyle. They don't want to let go of their addictions. So they stay in the dark corner and they hide from the light. And Jesus himself said this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Listen, darkness is our comfort zone. Darkness is our default. That's where we naturally dwell. And I know you would say, that doesn't sound like what I heard in college. It doesn't sound like what they teach me in the classes at my high school. I know they don't want you to, they don't want you to teach you that. They don't want you to know that darkness is your default. And if you do nothing about it, you'll end up in spiritual eternal darkness. They want you to think that everybody is good by nature. But I'm telling you, the Bible has never been proven wrong. And it says we're conceived in iniquity, that we're all sinners, that there is none that doeth righteous, no, righteousness, no, not one. There is, there is none that seeketh after God. Listen, every one of us, our default position is darkness, headed away from God. And the light right now is shining in your heart. And you must turn from the darkness where you're comfortable and turn to the light of Jesus Christ and say, light is better. I'd rather end up in heaven for eternity than in hell separated from you forever. That's the choice we're making. And it leads to the true, third truth today. God desires, number one, for every person to be saved. Amen. Number two, mankind prefers to stay in the darkness 
But here's how the eyewitness helps the process. God depends on witnesses to shine the light for those in darkness. God depends on witnesses. He did John. He depended on John to shine the light. God sent John the Baptist to be a witness. God was, count, God was counting on John to bear witness of the light. Listen, I'm telling you, God uses people as witnesses to his light. And look at John's mindset in verse 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, I like that term cried. See, here's it, here it is. He cried. In other words, he didn't hold back. The fact that Jesus is light. He, no, he boldly lifted up his voice. He wasn't afraid to do his job. The darkness needs bold witnesses. See, here we are, many of us in here, we're in the light. And we've received the light. And we say, boy, it's so sad what's happening in the world. And it's so sad that there's so much darkness. And it's so sad. I mean, you look at Israel, what's happening there. You look at Ukraine, what's happening there. You look in the streets of Sioux Falls and what's happening here. And you say, there's so much darkness. This is so sad. I can't believe the darkness is like this. But understand, you are here to shine light to those in darkness. So we can complain about it all we want. Or we can do our job and like John the Baptist, cry out. He cried as a voice in the wilderness. He boldly was a witness. But he wasn't just a bold witness. He was also a humble witness. Look again at verse 15. This was he of whom I spake, he says. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So here's John. John, as a witness, is not saying, hey, listen to my message. No, he's saying, look at the light. Don't, don't look at me. Look at the light. He is the light. I'm just a messenger. And my job is to tell you, look at the light. We find out later Jesus, that John didn't even know it was his cousin Jesus that was the Messiah until Jesus got baptized. I mean, can you imagine, you know, you grew up with somebody, you've known them for a long time, this is your cousin, you know, you just kind of were kids together, and suddenly he's revealed as the Messiah, that might be hard for somebody. It's like, but I, he's my cousin. No, John was so humble about himself as a witness, it didn't matter if Jesus was his cousin or whatever, he said, no, my one job in this life is to say, look at the light. There's darkness everywhere. My job is to say, look at the light. And everywhere he went, he boldly and he humbly said, look at the light. It's not about me. Listen, here's why a witness is necessary. Because most people are going to miss the light unless they have a witness. Most people are going to miss the light unless they have a bold and humble messenger. Their default is darkness. Your co-worker's default is darkness. Unless they have a bold and humble witness, tell them about Jesus Christ. They'll stay forever comfortable in their darkness. Your family members that are in darkness, that is the default. That is the position they were born into. And unless they have a bold and humble witness, they will stay in the darkness because that's comfortable. The lost around us, those in your neighborhood, those around the world. We just got done with missions revival. Everyone that we know that is lost, their default is darkness. And they will stay in that darkness without a bold and humble witness. Our job as a bold and humble witness is to say, look at the light. I love to travel and I like road trips. I know it's crazy. I like to go to national parks. 
We've been to many of the national parks in the western part of the United States with our family. I love to look at wildlife. I love to come across beautiful scenery. I geek out over mountains. I don't know why. I know it's weird. I just like them. We'll come across a, a, I mean, literally, this last trip to Colorado, we came across some bears. You know what I did? Kids! Look at the bears! Yogi and Boo Boo were like, oh, yeah. We stopped, I, I, we stopped on a mountain road in our suburban. I mean, there was a, it looked like a 2,000-foot drop-off. As I'm turning around, like a 20-point turn to turn back around and go see the bears. That's a big deal to me. We saw moose, big moose. Kids! Look at the moose! We come across a mountain. We live in South Dakota. I see a mountain, I'm like, kids! My kids are like, Dad, it's another mountain. We're in Colorado. Can we go back to sleep, please? See, my kids love darkness rather than light, so I'm convinced. But you know, I mean, I know that's silly. I know you probably think I'm silly and I'm immature. I, I like that kind of stuff. But you know what? Nothing has affected my life like the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what I should do anytime I come across somebody who is in darkness? Hey! Not really, you don't want to scare them. Well, maybe if they have a near-death experience, then they're like, okay, I need to think about this. No, look at the light. Everywhere I go, look at the light. Come across somebody, and their one chance to ever receive Christ as their Savior might be me having the boldness and the humility to say, look at the light. That coworker who you've worked with for five years, their last day may have been Friday. Have you ever said, look at the light? Your family member that you only see every once every few years and you're afraid to just come and boldly and humbly tell them, I know it's hard, but you've got to say, look at the light. Because their default is darkness. And without a bold and humble witness, they will forever live in that darkness. And that darkness will take them to an eternal separation from God in hell. And they talk about eternal darkness. They need somebody to say, look at the light. And as God's people, it is our job. Your most important label is a witness of Christ. Now look around the room and I'm telling you, there are a lot of people in here whose lives have been changed by the light of Jesus Christ. There are witnesses in this room. You say, well, John the Baptist was the witness. No, he was the first witness, but he's not the last witness. Brother Juan, are you a witness to the life-changing power of the light of Jesus Christ? Amen. Brother Roger, are you a witness of the life-changing power of Jesus Christ? Brother Ken, are you a witness? Brother Eric, you, Brother John, you're a witness. Brother Jeremy, you're a witness of the life-changing power of Jesus Christ? You know, John the Baptist was the first witness, but he's not the last. And in this room is full of witnesses that Jesus Christ's light has changed our lives. Yes, See, that's the first application 
for every person in this room. Listen, if your life has been changed by the light of Jesus Christ, and yes, ladies, you even can say it right now. Ready? Everybody whose life has been changed and you are a witness to the life-changing power of the light of Jesus Christ, say amen. 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 Women should not take authority in church. Just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. No, we're all witnesses. We are witnesses to the light of Jesus Christ. So if you come in here, though, that's the first application. But the primary application is to those that need to decide. So I, I said that to tell you this. If you've come this morning and your life is in darkness, there's a lot of witnesses. And you say, well, I'm just not sure what I believe about the Bible. There's lots of evidence in the Bible. But there are also lots of eyewitnesses. And if you would have the courage to talk to somebody in this room today, they would tell you, listen, life is better in the light. Because some of us, some of you, you came from very dark places. And the difference between your life in the dark and your life in the light is greater than you could ever explain to somebody. And if so, listen, I'm telling you, this room is full of witnesses to the life-changing power of the light of Jesus Christ. And if you've come this morning and you're just not sure, you can look around the room and there are people everywhere that would say, I could tell you. You could say, I could tell you. Over here, I could tell you. I'm telling you, it's not jumping out or walking out on stepping out on a limb. There are witnesses to the life-changing power of the light of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we have evidence in God's word and you have eyewitnesses all around you. But remember the point of evidence and the point of an eyewitness is what? To reach a verdict. And the point for you this morning, if you've come this morning and you don't know if you know Jesus Christ is your savior, it's time for you to reach a verdict. It's time for you to say, okay, yes, there's evidence. The evidence is in God's word. Okay, Jesus Christ, he did all, many, many works. But not only that, the best evidence to me is he rose from the dead. And hundreds, hundreds of people saw him alive. Hundreds. You can believe God's word. But it's not just God's word. There are witnesses. It's time for somebody in this room this morning to reach a verdict. It's time for you. You've said your whole life, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know what I believe. I don't know Jesus. I'm not sure where I stand on all this. Well, there is evidence and there are witnesses. The light right now is shining. And it's time for you to say, okay, I need to reach a verdict. It's time for you to make a choice. You're choosing between eternal life or eternal darkness. What choice will you make today? And the verdict, I mean the evidence, the witnesses, it's all there. The verdict you're the only one that can decide that. But for the Christians today, when's the last time you said, look at the light to somebody? I mean, if we are witnesses and his word has changed our lives, how can we hide it under a bushel? The whole world is in darkness. And it's time for God's people to say, look at the light. And it's time for those in darkness to look at the light. This applies to every person in the room this morning. What verdict will you reach? 
based on the truth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask a couple questions, and then we'll start to wrap this up. Do you know 100% for sure that you're saved? Do you know that? If you do, would you just raise your hand? Look around the room. Okay, witnesses, thank you. You can put your hands down. But there are some who maybe couldn't raise their hands, and you're not necessarily sure if you are saved. You don't know. This morning, would you be willing to say, I'm not sure if I died today that I would be on my way to heaven, and I'd like you to pray for me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But listen, what's your verdict? There's evidence. There are eyewitnesses. The Holy Spirit shining his light in your heart right now. Would you be willing to admit, just by a quick raising of your hand, to say, I don't know that I'm saved, but I would like prayer. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to point you out. But I'd love to pray for you today. Is there anybody in here this morning that would say, I don't know that I'm saved? Would you raise your hand? Just real quick. Okay, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? There's no, nobody looking around. There's nobody here that's going to embarrass you. No one's going to call you out. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Okay, for, for the most part then, the vast majority of people in here are already witnesses to the light. You've looked at the light. God's changed your life through the light of Jesus Christ. Okay, when's the last time you passionately conveyed to someone in darkness that they need to look at the light? Have you grown complacent to the souls of people around you? Have you dropped the ball of your responsibility as a witness to the light? If the Lord's speaking to you about your responsibility and how you haven't been as diligent to say, look at the light, would you just raise your hand and say, I need to do better in this area? Looking around the room, there are hands everywhere. I think we all could improve. But thank you for being willing to confess that, admit that. So we're going to take a moment, in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. And when we do, if the Lord's prompting you to, re to respond, would you do it? Let's stand together, everyone together. And if God's prompting you to take some steps in either in looking at the light for yourself or in helping somebody else look at the light, would you respond to the message this morning? The altars are open. The invitation is open. Would you take a moment to respond? Father, we pray for your will and way to be done in this service right now. We pray that you give us the boldness to respond as we need to. In Jesus' name, amen.